Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster, a monster exploration podcast where we take a look at creatures from their inceptions to their current day depictions in popular culture. And it's not always monsters, but that's all right. I'm one of your hosts, Dave, and I am joined today by Leonard. Hello. How are you doing, Leonard? It's gray out, and uh, I'm fine. <laughs> That's convincing, right? No, I'm actually really good. It's just kind of an ugly day, and I haven't uh, fully ingested uh, the giant can of Red Bull that sits next to me, so uh, it'll be a, a, a day of, of slow revitalization as, as that uh, occurs. That's okay. I have my how are you my, my mug of coffee, and as far as I can tell from this cloistered window, uh, the world is still immutable. Nothing has mm-hmm. changed, and that's <laughs> that's a bad and good thing. We're still in the blah, but at least the house isn't dripping down because yes. that would be horrible. Yes. Er, Worser. You have the worst. You have solid reality, and and uh, uh, L.A. at least in my area is co- uh, covered in uh, a bizarre colorless fog. So I can only assume that uh, King Alant has has set his plan into motion. Well, that I can't say that's better than being on fire. <laughs> But at least you're also not on fire, because the two things would be even worse. Yep. (laughs) What are we we getting back into today, Dave? I I don't even know. Um, We're being sucked back into the existential crisis of Mr. Thomas Ligotti. We are are endeavoring to wrap up uh, Grimm's Scribe. It's it has its hold upon us. Uh, we are in the second tale of the voice of the demon segment. The second tale being the dream. No, I'm sorry, not the dreaming. We already did the dreaming. The mystics of Muellenberg. There, there were no mystics. This was very misleading. Uh, I mean, I mean, the one just I mean, one mystic. If- I mean, if if taking taken into account what the story's about, I think everybody involved uh, in this tale is uh, in the uh, events of the tale are mystics in some sense. The the world is mystical. I don't I don't know. There was definitely no shenanigans. It just the bad <laughs> that that we're aware of. Yes, they could have done horrible things and then repped the uh the rewards but i think this was just everything's bad and good luck this uh i well i i want there is a reason uh why i i mentioned uh uh king alant uh earlier and i guess we'll get into that as we discuss this story i think so so what what's this one about? Um it is about a uh 
a a unnamed narrator, as as is the uh, 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 chosen profession of most of the people in these Thomas Ligotti tales, uh, talking to uh, an acquaintance uh, known as uh, Klaus Klingman. A man who once uh, who uh, has tales of an entire civilization that uh, simply vanished overnight, uh, oh, over a long dusk, I should say, when uh, they lost sight of the basic tenets of reality and uh, reality no longer being observed in the way that it deign be observed collapsed in on itself <laughs> yes and they were they eventually woke from this because it was a dream a terrible dream they woke from it and everything was fine until they remembered what happened in the dream and yes. then then that just kicked off the dominoes that you don't want to fall because it's not really i can't say interesting enough but um in addition uh, Klaus Klingman, uh, he has, he was known by, uh, many, many names. Nemo the Necromancer, Marlo the Magus, Master Marionetti. But all these, these other men were in fact Klaus Klingman. Also, Nemo the Necromancer would have made, uh, Adventures in Slumberland, uh, significantly more interesting. But, uh, or this I, is what he became after being King of Dreams. Yep. Get all those, yeah, yeah, exactly. When you're when you're you're made made the king of dreams, you become a necromancer. Hey, he just brought the dream to reality. <laughs> that may but, be the, uh, the sequel that was unwritten. So um, Klingman has a um, a tenant of his own, a penchant for trying to convey that everything is fluid that's his his motto always fluidity yes that there is nothing solid that um yeah uh, it's it's interesting because this story is fairly rote and simplistic uh and very straightforward but I think it uh, embodies a lot of that Lovecraft flavor that I adore so much, especially with the concept of perception being reality. And if you can get an entire, an entire medieval town of people to even dream the exact same thing over the exact same period of time, then that becomes a legitimate form of reality and should those people recall that dream during their waking hours then their true lives uh will will befall the same fate so um, it is you know uh i there's no uh secret that i'm a big fan of bloodborne and that there's a, an aspect of that definitely carries over and seems like a logical through line between the two. Yeah, I would, I would echo that. Um, I've pulled a passage where Klingman is giving us the long and short of it. Yes. So this is, 
uh, the, the worst fear of the race, and that being the human race, uh, the world suddenly transformed into senseless nightmare, horrible disillusion of things. And that's a, that's a, a through line of Ligotti. Uh, yep. Nothing compares. Even oblivion is a sweet dream. And we'll, we'll visit that again. Um, you understand why, of course. Why this particular threat? These brooding psyches, all the busy minds everywhere. I hear them buzzing like flies in the blackness. I see them as they, as glowworms flitting in the blinding sun. They are struggling, straining every second to keep the sky above them, to keep the sun in the sky, to keep the dead in the earth, to keep all things, so to speak, where they belong. What an undertaking. What a crushing task. Is it any wonder that they are all tempted by a universal vice that in some dark street of the mind a soft voice whispers to one and all, Lay down your burden. Then thoughts begin to drift. A mystical magnetism pulls them this way and that. Faces start to change. Shadows to speak. And sooner or later the sky comes down, melting like wax. But as you know... Everything has not yet been lost. Absolute terror has proved its security against this fate. Is it any wonder that these beings carry on the struggle at whatever the cost? So that's the core of of this particular moment in time where if you let your guard down and realize uh to 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 pull another Ligadian turn of phrase uh there is in fact chaos at feast so, yes so those those two things everything needs to stay as it should but it it's not it's not going to and it never has been it's just a construct yes exactly um, oh, yes, I forgot. And in reading that passage, you just reminded me of something. Did Evangelion distill absolute terror from this story? Because I think, because a lot of a lot of this, the themes of this story feel like they tie into the concept of an AT field. So. Uh, well, so, yeah, I mean, that's. um I didn't think about that either, uh, but that makes a lot of sense in, in as much as uh, the idea of the absolute terror here being the bulwark against everything falling apart. Everyone's so right. frightened of that, that that's keeping them together. And in Evangelion, every living, everything has an AT field that provides cohesion. Yep. And if that field is removed, uh, well, you don't, not everything melts, but you do turn into salt. So yep. there's that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, I would not say that that's off the mark. We definitely would have to look at, um, the, cause the director was writing that stuff under large, uh, fits of depression. Yep. So I can see where that would come from if he was potentially had having had read um any of the guardian and, and if he didn't it's a coincidence that we can use because it um it illustrates this story 
in a visual medium just over a period of time. Yes, the 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 crux of this story is 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 uh, ever so squelchily uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> displayed in Evangelion. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's never until I hear absolute terror and I'm like, wait a minute, somebody what, that 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 somebody's used that phrase before, Ava. That's weird and seems like something that should be looked into um and and it's in the exact same context which is that's more of a coincidence than i think can be attributed to mere coincidence i i i don't know we'd have to look into it um <laughs> at another time uh we also have this idea of clingman um he 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 says it directly here because um our narrator's asking him, like, don't you shoulder that universe in your way, too? Like, aren't you worried about all these things, if that's what you say is the constant? And uh, Klingman's, uh, I'm a lucky one, a parasite of chaos. There we go. And a maggot of vice. Where I live, all is nightmare. There's a certain nonchalance. I'm accustomed to drifting in the delirium of history. Uh, he he goes on, actually, it's a pretty good quote, but I'll just leave it. Um, this reminds me of the narrator in, or it's not the narrator, actually, it's the, the, the sort of antagonist in, um, now what is the, the tale? I have to pull it up because it was in the last section. Mm, Flowers of the Abyss, actually. Yes. Our, so that, our... that was the same idea of, uh, a drifting scholar that had like entered into chaos and then come back and then brought some of it with him. So that this guy is kind of doing the same thing, but on purpose. Mm -hmm. Yes. He, he, he seems to, um, I, I think that there's, uh, an interesting concept of, of balance, which is, uh, yes, of course. No, I, I, if there if there if everybody sees everything the same way then that's the way that things are but i uh, uh luxuriate in in horror and nightmare and that allows that to persist but it is it is not uh i don't have any real force in in uh providing it to the world other than the te te stories that i tell individuals but that is my purpose. My purpose is the counter to the fixed, solid reality that uh, you, you humans uh, exist and, in. Yeah, and so he purports to be a student of history, and th that being um, chaos sown historically. Like he, yes. he revels in it and he wants to, st he likes that part of it. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what he's doing here. He's there. They are. I'm reading it as they technically are in Muellenberg or at least yes. some aspect of it. Um, it's ambiguous as to if the initially reading the story, I was thinking um, because this is Lugati that uh, the narrator was a resident of the town. And I, I, reading it again, I don't 
feel that that's as much the case. No. But it's it still, sounds it's still, like it still could be. Um, so what 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 he's doing is he's he's a necromancer. He's summoning the the melty puddle people and then interviewing them. Mm-hmm. Or he's interviewing people that didn't disintegrate just to get them to remind just to remind them about what the dream was and then they disintegrate. Right. That'll that that's a theme that will come up later too, ladies yes. and gentlemen of the audience. <laughs> uh so that's why I I'm not personally putting the um the narrator in the shoes of the townspeople. Uh, mm-hmm. Because he's also like a researcher. He's taking specific notes, notes that um uh King Klingman uh calls upon and says that that is a um it's a I think he calls them a mnemonic device that's keeping him like both it's a both a danger and a thing that keeps him solid. Mm-hmm. Because he can rely on that to look at the order of things, I guess. Um but because uh Klingman is telling him these tales I felt that initially he was getting he was doing that to remind the narrator of like the past and to get him to dredge up the dream. Uh but the narrator toward the end of the tale um I don't feel that that's the case. I think he's just causing another incidence of the Muellenberg problem yes. um, in a, in a different it, city. It is it is very uh, in the mouth of madness of let let me pro- provide this written work to the world and watch the world fall into ruin because of yeah. the ideas that this work spreads. Yeah, I, I, that's a that's a I didn't even think about that, but that's a super good um, that one fits like a one to one almost. Mm-hmm. Because the whole the whole end of it is the narrator going, I'm watching the world collapse and like I'm the only one here to record it. Yes. Which of course is the trap of it ensuring that this is this occurs again. And who knows, maybe the narrator it will become it will in fact become the next uh next Klingman. Uh yeah. Uh, there there's a terrible idea of not wanting um so say that it's happened okay and and he doesn't want it to happen again so he has to figure out why it was happening in the first place but to do that he has to kind of like recreate it so it's it's a makings of another good like a good villain yes because his his cause is noble he's just doing the utterly wrong thing um yes once again he is he is a uh that sounds like a uh a a very um lovecraft uh uh antagonist turned pro uh or protagonist turned antagonist uh uh character turn where uh the person having survived all of these horrific madness causing events uh in their uh, thirst to keep it from occurring again uh 
study it too hard and ultimately end up recreating the the nightmare scenario that they they themselves experienced um the the act of searching for an answer to prevent this is what causes it yeah and i'm i'm here for that that's a uh a good concept um, even if it is uh likewise terrifying particularly in this case yes um it is uh there i there's a uh there's the concept of the the um shared uh explicitly universally shared uh reality um where um because it it is based on how everyone perceive uh perceives it that uh that that becomes the truth even though it is not um but how can how can anyone determine that if no one is able to see it it's uh i think it makes for good uh written and film literature <laughs> uh here's another thing i so this would this would serve toward that end because this um this is Klingman's thoughts. Uh, and he's, he's describing the twilight that has descended upon Muhlenberg and that it's gone wrong. Mm-hmm. But here are his, the questions he's posing. Where were the minds of the townspeople? How had they ceased paying homage to the ancient order of things? And when had the severing taken place that, they're set, that set their world adrift on strange waters? So those questions would lead someone to repeat these things. Right. Because they're trying to answer those particular questions and all of those probably that's the, uh, the, the too curious, uh, you've stepped in, you've you've put your foot right in it um, Mm -hmm. in this particular case. Um, yes, it is. It is very much like, oh, hey, hey, yeah, it's it's hey, do you want to know what the red button does? You, well, you have to press it. Yeah, but I, I, I at least know that something bad will happen if I press it. Yeah, but you'll know exactly what it does if you press it. So you you want to know what what it does, right? So you should just press it. So, yeah, and then that's... so the, the, the town is collapsing into chaos and they're attributing all of this pro all of these problems to to vary they're they're putting it on a um uh, because the the cathedral in the center of the town is like a, a crux it's a linchpin to this somehow um and they're they're pinning all of this onto an act of god or it's the work of devils and the text itself is saying that it's it's any and all of those things. It doesn't right. it doesn't actually matter why it happened because you can't stop it. It's, it, it, it you're just done. So and why even and, worry about it? Yes, exactly. And uh, uh, interestingly enough, my read of that was 
um, well, you know, if enough people believe that it was, it's an act of God or it's, it's the work of the devil, then, then that's what it is because now those, those concepts are now real in this kind of separated pocket. Well, once again, it's a dream, so, but still this pocket reality that the town has, has, uh, trapped itself within because once again the their perception of 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 reality is what determines what's real yeah and it and it um it tells you that like specifically so um here we go even the clock tower or the clock in the town hall tower failed to keep their moments from wandering strangely within such disorder were bred curious thoughts and actions so their their will and their thoughts are are literally shaping or unshaping reality rather uh, thus in the garden of the abbey an ancient tree was shunned and rumors spread concerning some changes in its twisted silhouette something flaccid and rope-like about its branches until finally the monks doused it with an oil and set it aflame, their circle of squinting faces bathing in the glare. Likewise, a fountain standing in one of the castle's most secluded courtyards became notorious when its waters appeared to suggest fabulous depths far beyond the natural dimensions of its shell-shaped basin. The cathedral itself had deteriorated into a hollow sanctuary where prayers were mocked, by queer movements among the carved figures in cornices and by shadows streaming horribly in the twitching of a thousand, twitching light of a thousand candles. Mm, throughout the town, all places and things bore evidence to striking revisions in the base realm of matter. Precisely sculpted stone began to loosen and lump. An abandoned cart melded with the sucking mud of the street and objects in desolate rooms lost themselves in the surface they pressed upon, making metal tongs mix with brick hearth, prismatic jewels with lavish velvet, a corpse with the wood of its coffin. At last, the faces of Muhlenberg became subject to changing expressions, which at first were quite subtle, though later these divergences were so exaggerated that it was no longer possible to recapture original forms. Yes, um, and also, ha well, in hearing you reread uh, that that passage from from the story, uh, I can't help but uh, um, um, uh, think of uh, it is Richard Stanley's uh, Color Out of Space, right? I I am getting the director's name right on that. Yes, that was Richard Stanley. Yes, um, uh, that ended up adaptation of color out of space also fits uh fits uh nicely with this uh with once again time being mutable and and unfixed uh, uh, yes unfixed and um all uh, things merging into one another it is not explicitly the same thing but it has the same flavor uh clearly if you're familiar if you dear listeners are familiar with with that film and our episode of it and so what this what this amounts to is like the, the 
he's not discussing that as being in a dream as much, but, um, it's, it's this portion here where within, within this, the Muhlenberg, the town's people, they struggled and labored and then ultimately woke up. Um, their town had been returned to them and so terrible had been their recent ordeal that it's beginning its progress and its termination. They could remember nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, they woke from this collective nightmare, uh, and everything was fine. And then this is where Klingman goes on to let the narrator know that everything wasn't fine because they eventually began to remember. Uh, and where the, where they didn't remember, I came along and I helped them <laughs> remember yes. because I'm studying it and they kept dissolving. Right. And this, um, here just, uh, you know that sooner or later, each of the souls who occupied Muhlenberg recollected the episode in detail. It was all waiting for them in the place where they had left it, the blackness, which is the domain of death. And that will be part of the three line, um, for the other, I guess, back half of the episode. Yes. When we get to it. Yes. We're we're still we're still trapped in this dream. Snake snake eater. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> and here is where um it's a little bit confusing as as to the identity of this is where it like I was thinking originally he was part of the Muellenberg town. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, this is Klingman um, saying, uh, or rather the narrator, then nothing can be verified because everyone's just disappeared. Um, nothing you can uh, produce to back up your story. I thought you might at least conjure a spirit or two. You've never disappointed me before because they've he's worked and seen him do other things before. Right. Uh, Klingman goes on, nor will I disappoint you tonight. Remember, I am the, I am one with the dead of Muhlenberg, and with all who have known the great dream in all its true liquescence. They have spoken to me as I am speaking to you, many reminiscences imparted by those old dreamers, many drunken dialogues I have held with them. And then this is basically where he's saying that... Um, uh, Klingman makes a point. Uh, the narrator himself is, um, he's a, theoretically, he's also a researcher or a reporter mm -hmm. or something. Um, and he is a, a person who is, uh, open to any and all possibilities. Mm -hmm. He doesn't issue the supernatural he's he's maybe he's a student of it we don't we don't get a background on him um but we can tell from Klingman's interaction that this this individual um isn't isn't a doubter he's a person that will take things um as they come and he's he's curious enough about it to keep investigating i guess and Klingman tells him that that's um that 
doesn't work in this particular case. He needs um, the narrator to call the tale into question to get him to like fully understand it. He's like that. He's like, I have to cure you. I have to make you doubt something to cure you of those doubts and then leave you exactly. open to like the reality of, of chaos. Right. Because you're, he, he, he's so maybe, I don't think he's fervent in it, but he's, he's just, um, he's receptive to the world, um, being, uh, immutable. No, I'm sorry. Being mutable. Yes. But, but he, uh, to, to, to kick things off, um, the narrator would have to have a reinforced view of the order of all things. It yes, just, exactly. Even just, just for a moment. Right. And then, then he could truly understand that things aren't actually, um, uh, immutable. Um, yes, exactly. Because, um, you know, uh, it's, it's the equivalency of, of breaking down a wall of perception. But if that wall is viewed as, you know, transitory and, and mutable and, and, uh, not solid, it's, it's significantly more difficult to destroy than, you know, a solid wall. So there has to be a, a, a baseline acceptance of what can and cannot happen in reality in order for it to work. Yes. It's, it's, uh, um, it's maybe like a, um, a sense of innocence, like a child, yeah, like, like perhaps. a whimsy where mm -hmm. you're like, Oh yeah. I mean, this, this, this could all be possible, but that's not the same as saying it is all possible. Right. Um, and you, uh, to, 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 to not to do what I always do in literally every episode of Monster Dear Monster, but, uh, which I have already done already in this episode, but, uh, to bring it, uh, back to, uh, from software and their offerings again, a lot of it feels like, um, the, uh, uh, I could see uh, the uh, the line between this story and uh, the effects of the colorless fog in Demon Souls. How literally half of the world was eaten away. Uh, Klingman does definitely uh, have some uh, monumental flavor to his character as well. Uh, uh, maybe in an inverse where he's uh, once again obsessed with the nightmare and chaos but uh but because of that he he is a contrast in order to uh create a solid immutable reality there's just once again a lot of uh dna from from this and that's once again uh listeners that's not me implying that anyone has ripped anybody off but these are very interesting topics and thoughts uh to that people clearly uh will put in in multiple forms of media and that's the these are the those are the monsters that i hunt 
everybody, <laughs> everyone on the podcast has a different kind of monster that they hunt, and I hunt the existential beasts. And may you never find them. <laughs> that is just, oh, Dave, you know better than that. I, <laughs> I, I found far too many. That's why I'm like this. Well, we'll, uh, we'll we'll wrap this up with one more fellow who's who's found um, the thing that he was maybe not actually searching for. Yes, and so Klingman is telling the narrator that um, he he will have this enlightenment, like it's been arranged, uh, and it will be a lonely one <laughs> because he is meant to, I guess, be the steward, or the chronicler of this great. Um, meltdown right and that's that's something that he's uh this Klingman disappears everything kind of starts disappearing um he can't find any of the people in the town that he's been staying in or maybe he's from it's ambiguous but uh he's he's basically it goes on in um talks a little bit about um an endless night and then it it had an end. It wrapped up and people were okay. Sort of. Because here, uh, for no one else recalls the hysteria that prevailed when the stars and the moon dimmed into blackness. Nor can they summon the least memory of when the artificial illumination of this earth turned weak and lurid. And all the shapes we once knew contorted into nightmares and nonsense. And finally how the blackness grew viscous, enveloping what light remained and drawing us into itself. How many such horrors await in the blackness to be restored to the legions of the dead? For no one else living remembers when everything began to change. No one else with the exception of Klaus Klingman and myself. And I guess I'll just finish up the bit because it's one last thing. Uh, in the red dawn following that gruesome protracted night, I went to the warehouse. Unfortunately, the place was untenanted, save its, by its spare furnishings and a few empty bottles. Klingman had disappeared, perhaps into that same blackness for which he seemed to have an incredible nostalgia. I, of course, made no appeals for belief. There can be no belief when there is no doubt. This is far from secret knowledge, as if such knowledge could change anything. This is only how it seems, and seeming is everything. So they just really hammered that home uh, <laughs> at the end there. Yep. Um, this also reminds me tangentially, it's not even really a tangent, but um, if I, I'm stalling for time as I look it up, um, another film that I will find very quickly... When I can spell people's names right. Don't worry, Dave. I'm doing handwork, which doesn't really translate because we're this is a podcast. Um, but but I'm I'm doing my best to entertain everyone at, at home. They are being entertained. They are being entertained. Also, as if they had watched the film from 2010, Vanishing on Seventh Street. Hmm. I am unfamiliar with this film. <laughs> I I can recommend it only so far as it, as far as I recall, ties into this. By itself, it's not as great. 
it's entertaining. Um, and I think that there's more to be found in it, uh, as a, like a double feature, um, with, with this story. Mm-hmm. And, and now that, now that I'm looking at the, the poster for it, I absolutely do remember this film. I, I never watched it, but I do remember this film existing. Yeah, I don't think it did so well. Um, however, uh, it, it actually plays really well with both of the things we're covering today. Yep. So. Yeah, I got maybe, that. Maybe due like for a rewatch. Um, on that note, because I've literally been ten years since I've seen it. And yeah, isn't that fun? Isn't it fun when you realize it's been a decade since you since you've mm-hmm. interacted with a piece of media? So I'll have to find out if it aged poorly or not, or if it aged like a fine wine. I don't know that that's going to be the case. However, I do like almost the entire cast. <laughs> it has Jen Leguizamo, and that always is a win. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. John Leguizamo, who many of you might know as Clown from Spawn, or Luigi Mario from Super Mario Bros. Well, the... A so... movie... <laughs> <laughs> a, a movie that I unironically do not hate and kind of appreciate for like, yeah, of course it was the nineties. How did you expect them to at, adapt this? So one thing, and I think what got me to watch the movie in the first place is this is directed um, by Brad Anderson, who did session nine, which is phenomenal. And also the machinist, which is likewise phenomenal. Yes. Um, that alone was enough to catch my attention. The, the the theme of it, again, is this. It's this endless night and people disappear. That's what the movie is. So, uh, yeah, give it a watch. I mean, if you can find it for free or something. Right. And even if I can't, it'll, it'll cost me like a couple of bucks. It's part of the... Um, Magnolia Selects channel. Yes. So if if anyone has a uh you a lot of the channels on on Prime will give you like a free 7-day trial or something. Um that's always a good way to just remember to cancel it uh or keep it if you like it. Um but those those are a fun way to get a hold of a couple extra movies without without parting with any hard-earned cash. Yes. Exactly should you be remiss to do so. Yep. So anyway, that's vanishing on seventh street. That could be something fun. Um, we won't be covering it on the podcast, but suffice to say, we maybe make a mention of it, um, on the next Logati episode, uh, if we get around to it in that time. But I think that wraps up the tale. And yes. Leaves us a little bit of space, um, to, to look into another film. Gilliam. Yes, this one. This one is a film directed by uh, Kurosawa Kiyoshi. It is entitled Cairo or Pulse in the English translation, which is weird because the actual 
Kaido is like a circuit, I think. Um, but it's a 2001 horror film? Thriller? I don't... Horror, I guess. It's ghosts. It, it, um, it really... So, uh... Suspense? I... I... <laughs> <laughs> I I I I like this movie. I think this movie is slightly too long and there is an aspect um there is a real um city of the living dead feel uh to it um because there is like the the main plot which does all of the setup for well as plots do as plots do it does all the setup for the end but the ending uh changes from like this super character focused well not changes the scope widens from this super uh group of character focused film into this kind of worldwide incident and um that always there's a, a very italian horror feel i get when stories do that um mainly because of all the italian horror that we watched on the for the podcast that does that um but uh, overall i i did enjoy the film and now we can get now that everyone knows how i feel about it we can start talking about what happens yeah, and my um, my impressions on this film, and I've seen this many times. Um, every time I go to watch it, I forget that it's two hours long. Yeah, it's a long movie, and um, that some of that could have been excised because it's kind of meandering. Mm-hmm. Like it. There's literally a lot of shots of just people walking or looking at empty spaces, and I, I it works like it's it's very evocative, but it eats up like thirty minutes of the movie, like so much time. Yeah, so like be prepared for that if you if you for some strange reason haven't seen it yet and you're watching this, um, be prepared for that part of it. It's it's slower paced uh the the what it does is it does its job well and creates a sense of dread that does not stop so it's two right. hours of feeling that way also yes because dread, they, dread it, yes <laughs> dread and also loneliness um, yeah because those are the central themes. <laughs> yes, those are the those are the what this is the the ingredients this is playing with, and um, it traffics in them well. Uh, also, what it's doing is it doesn't it doesn't let up and it doesn't um, ramp up. It starts with things feeling a little off, quickly go wrong, and then it just stay it it, it hits that as the baseline. And then only yeah. either gets worse. It doesn't really ever get better. No. Feeling. Like the film, I think, improves as it goes because it has more to play with. But um, the feelings it engenders and the thoughts that it could potentially provoke, uh, it, it, it's putting its thesis on the, on the table early, but not entirely. And then it just kind of gives you sprinkle. That's the payoff. It's, it's giving you bits of what is happening and what characters are feeling 
and um, without going into their lives, that the sense that of despair um, that envelops them one by one is um, it's a palpable thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that has a lot, a lot of that has to do um, with the way the film is shot. It's through, it's through windows and small spaces. It, it's, it doesn't feel like it's um, a handheld camera because there's more, um, there's more freedom of movement to it than that, but it's yes. still that intimate. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's shot very voyeuristically, which plays into the, into the, uh, so into one of the, the themes of the film, which is, is that, um, um, uh, spectral entities are watching you. Um, there are a lot of, uh, uh, camera shots, uh, while not, uh, they're full lockdown shots, uh, no movement. Uh, evoke uh, the sense of that infamous uh, alleyway in the very first Silent Hill where the uh, camera swoops around uh, Harry? Yeah, Harry, uh, while he's walking down that uh, 90 degree hallway and it's very voyeuristic and it, it gives the sense of these characters being watched even though um, there might be a cut later that shows the area where they're being watched from, and there's no one. Yes, that's probably the most... Hmm. The film doesn't deal in jump scares. No, not at all. I, and I, uh, it, and it's it's funny. I, I I it'd been a while since I watched it, and there are so many spaces and places where if in in a lesser uh lesser production uh, a jump scare would probably be inserted um there is none here and i was fully expecting them and i'm like wait no no this this is not that kind of film and um it actually once again kept the tension up because there is no release with the jump scare yeah, and that's one of the things that I um that I enjoy about the movie and I still like forget about just by virtue of being like inundated with that idea and the musical sting and then just uh or uh, um worse the worst offender is when it's a jump scare to an innocent th- like not the problem but then it yep. turns around and the problem is there. Yep. So those they just suck the energy out of a movie. Like, yes. So quickly. And they're, they're so rampant. Um, I relish returns to films like this. And uh, unfortunately that what that's been, or I guess, fortunately um, they, they do still occur and they are primarily in independent um, cinema. There's um, a, a, um, a friend on Twitter has compiled a list of um, the Guardian films. I'll, I'll put a link to that. It's um, a, I don't know why I can't think of the name of the website. Um, it's not IMDb. It's Letterboxd. So it's a, it's a list of just other films that, that have similar themes to these. Actually, quite a few of them I have not seen. Pleasantly, I've seen a couple of them. So I, I knew 
I had a better sense of like what the rest were probably going to be like. Uh, he's also done, um, or he's working on, I think a second film. He's done one short film. Um, he's, he's a, a film student. Mm -hmm. So those ideas, like there's, there's plenty of other movies that can fit that mold and be thought provoking and frightening um, in a, in a consistent way without having to like cheapen itself. Yes. Um, I've, I've recently come, uh, um, come to the personal conclusion that, um, jump scares are for people who say that they like horror movies, but don't like the, uh, unpleasant tension that, that horror movies can bring. Uh, so those are basically um uh tension pressure release valves for the audience and and there is uh an aspect of tension that i need in order for the horror to be effective because having something having a scary demon nun just pop out of of the side of frame is is not it for me okay so, <laughs> we'll circle back into what the action we've been unknowingly and but deftly dancing around what this movie is. Um, it is, it is a, it's featuring a uh, group of college students. And they, one of them is working on a, a thesis project and uh it in we don't know specifically what it involves but it's a simulation uh on the interactions between people yes and the simulation it they so what they do is they they do not explain it they give they give a rough idea of it. Um, it is in my somewhat Swiss cheesed memory that uh, the the American adaptation of this film, which I believe was two thousand and six or so, yes, uh, they made a point because American audiences, I don't know, but they hammered home uh, that what that study was doing and made it like a core plot point where here it's a, it's just a one-off. Like it, it's, it's yeah. left to, it's, it's better left understated and just as a, an aside, but it's still relevant versus um, because, because they were doing this thing, something bad happened in, in the American version. I I actually uh, uh, went through a couple of clips and and read the synopsis of the American version because I do distinctly remember watching it and not particularly caring for it. And it is the uh, it is it is very much explained that it was a computer virus or computer program uh, being worked on uh, for in service of the U.S. military that opened a portal into the ghost dimension and then my eyes glazed over and I said, God damn it. Uh, because 
I don't want you to over-explain what's going on here. And also, it just kind of reminded me of like, oh yeah, that's right. That's the that's the go-to catch-all in in uh, like American films of oh yeah, this we were making some weapon for the U.S. government and it went wrong. And I'm just like, yeah, I I prefer this. <laughs> and nebulous. now it's the mist, and now yeah. it's you know whatever, um, right. Yeah, so it, it's not explained here what's happening, which makes it far more horrifying. Um, yes. The, it isn't even confirmed whether or not this program, this simulation in, in the Japanese version, has anything to do with the events that, like, it, it's never implied that this is the cause of it. It is simply a, a thing that exists in the world that has a correlation to the events of the film. Uh, yeah, I, so I don't feel that, the, um, because of how it's framed, uh, and there's the, the attention paid to it, um, that, that experiment, that program, isn't, uh, isn't a linchpin. It's not a cause for what's happening. Um, it's not a weird MacGuffin. Uh, what it is is a a moment in time for some exposition without being heavy handed. Yes. So it's telling you what's happening, but not why. Exactly. Because the the characters they do not know. They don't have. There's nothing. There's no explanation. They don't know why everything is going wrong. They're never told why everything is going wrong. The, you just get a scope of how bad it's become or how far whatever this is, is reaching. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not, um, it's not, it doesn't ever feel like there's an epicenter. Yes, exactly. It feels lo oh. like multiple localized things that just happen to spread. And I, I will say that, that the, the, the kind of, uh, razor sharp focused on the main cast of characters with very little, um, like under, um, exploration of what's going on with, with other people and, and civilization at large, uh, really is one of the things that works in service of, of creating that feeling of, 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 being unable to pinpoint what what uh, is the cause, where it's stemming, coming from, uh, yada, 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 which, once again, contrasts with the American version, which is, oh, no, this, the group, the reason that it's happening is because this one person, this group of people did this really bad thing, and it, it makes... It makes these the, the characters the central focus and the, the people that have to solve the problem and and it 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 doesn't work it doesn't evoke the same kind of dread and horror that that the original does yeah so what the original is also doing is um because there's not a source there's not something you can stem the flow of whatever um it's just always there it's all. It's already always there. 
is is the core of like the threat or the the bad feeling um is that uh as humans we already know that one death is inevitable that's it's a given you're just mm-hmm. you're going to die we live and then we die um it traffics in a couple a couple different things um because this isn't specifically about death they're, they're, it's calling into question um society uh, people's roles in society, uh, the role of society, and uh, the march of progress with heavy quotes, the um, the benefits of technology. Uh, it's not, this is not a simple horror film, like by any means. There's so much going on here. Right. But it's not, um, nothing is, uh, it's not just given to you like on a platter. Like it, it touches upon all these things, but nothing is like jammed in your face. Right. It, it's more of like a subtle, like look, kind of, it gives you, um, as the viewer, um, it's, it's, it's not treating you, uh, stupidly. It's giving you the time and the the uh tools to like piece things together on your own mm-hmm. and that that's always appreciated no one just likes to, i mean you know mileage may vary and you may want to be hand fed but this isn't like a film that's gonna kind of do that right. and what it's what it's also doing is the the existential dread portion of it um it's discussing uh in a point like what happens if uh i what i'm thinking is so if matter can neither can uh, it's neither created nor destroyed it just it's going to continue infinitely yep uh that posits that the soul or whatever is a person um doesn't end when you die they take the time to acknowledge that yes, there could be um, some sort of uh, happy ever after, uh, some sort of afterlife where uh, things are better than they are here, or there could be um, nothing. Life could just end, and you don't know. This film takes a firm stance and says that when you die, there is also just nothing. It, it's yep. the same thing as what you're dealing with here. Um, but guess what? You're by yourself. <laughs> forever. Uh-huh. <laughs> so if you want to pick a more chilling thing, uh, good luck. <laughs> yep. Um, it, uh, when when that was mentioned, I giggled a little because it made me think of Death Stranding. So I I, <laughs> I, I enjoyed that a great deal. Uh, I also I do I do have to mention my oh absolute favorite line uh, from um, from the film where one of our protagonists is in a library about uh, reading a book about uh, the supernatural and phantoms. And uh, the quote is, everyone dies. Therefore, there's no logical reason for ghosts not to exist. And I'm like, that is a jump. I'm sorry. That's a jump between 
between, hey, everyone dies, and so so clearly ghosts must be real. Um, it's it's my favorite thing. I stopped watching the movie and laughed about it for about five minutes uh, before resuming. It is my absolute favorite line in this film, and it's 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 a kicker. It's it's a real makes me makes me real happy inside to hear. I'm just like that is not that is not a lot reasonable logical argument. I refuse to <laughs> acknowledge this as a valid argument. Yeah, it needs to, it needs to be. We need the rest of that book. <laughs> you got to back that up somehow. Uh, yeah, especially when you or follow just, it up. Not even, not even like back it up, but like expand. Like why? Okay, that's 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 a statement. Yes. Um, yep. But we need to know why that you came to that conclusion. Especially when you follow that statement up with, that means that there could totally be cavemen ghosts. And I'm like, all right, all right, author. I'm like, you got you you got me. I paid two fifty for this ebook and I am very disappointed, but I'm not gonna request a refund because it's two fifty. But oh Yeah. Uh, but so the, the film deals with not not that in particular. Um, no, but that there are ghosts. Yes, and that there is a finite ghost space. Yes, and that ghost space done got filled up because we made too many people. Yep. And to to borrow from another film, uh, when uh, hell is full, the living or the living dead will walk the earth. Um, that's what happens here. Ghost space full. They have to go somewhere, and that's back into the realm of the living, where they they don't mix well. Um, it doesn't go so great when you become insane from living forever and having nothing but void around you. Is what we're yeah. we're meant to understand, uh, or 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 quite or given quite literally, because one of the ghosts takes takes the time out of their crazy nothing to do life to tell us exactly why they're not happy and why they want help and um, help uh, in the form of um, absorbing people's will to live. Like giving, like maybe, maybe it's not even absorbing. I think it's just like, um, it's like a energy, a heat transfer. So they are, they are full of the, um, I don't know, ennui. Like they're, they've got full depression meter and they're just, (laughs) they have to get rid of the overflow somehow. So if they touch you, or are in very close proximity to you, or you see them for long enough, um, that sense is given to you. Yeah, yes. You're, you're uh, filled up with it because they have unlimited amount. <laughs> I um I I uh was trying to I spent a, a good portion of the film trying to understand how the how the depression worked. And I walked away from it with um, when confronted with with a ghost, a thing that most people do not believe exists, and and uh, when when given the incontro- uh, 
incontrovertible proof that they do in fact exist and that their your ultimate fate is to um is to uh, uh, die and exist uh completely alone for eternity uh it literally just it isn't even a a deliberate transference it is literally just um it is it, it removes the veil and people simply lose their will to live because what's the point if it's just going to be a a more horrific version of the loneliness that most people feel uh, in in their lives but forever yes and that's also part of um when it does talk about the the simulation yes so it's a bunch of it's a bunch of dots on a black screen and they're kind of just bouncing around and the the closer they get to one another, the more they diminish one another. Uh, right. And then they they bump and be, like they're like billiard balls. They bounce off each other. And the farther they get from each other, the more they're drawn back to one another. So it's a it's a scathing like critique on the role of society and yep. that people people cannot exist alone. Uh, because you're you're drawn to companionship or to others or or any of that sort of thing but um it's it's physically maybe but it's mentally draining to be um around other people for too long and so you have to retreat again but then in your in your in your solace you're just making yourself more miserable so you go back to find more company so it's it's obviously like a very nihilistic view the contradiction of humanity yes and um because of those states that everyone is ultimately alone uh because it it, it's it's harming them to be apart but it's harming them to be together Uh, yes that's that's there's a little bit of buddhism tied into that there's a lot of things like wrapped up into that um yeah where life is just suffering uh and all you can do is um hope that uh you can get out of it somehow like not necessarily be dead but just like transcend whatever this existence is and then uh that should be a better thing or you're you're, you've lost your sense of self and you don't as a non-individual um it's better because you're not your your sense of self your your consciousness is the problem right if we're gonna tie this into legati and that's <laughs> what we're here to do um uh humanity itself is not inherently bad but the ability to, ability to understand everything is inherently bad because everything is bad so if you know that it's bad then that's a problem And it's just dwelling on that uh, is also a problem. Mm-hmm. So that that's yeah. that's the core of like what this is. This it's, it's kind of like what it's dabbling in, and dabbling is the wrong word. This is what it's trafficking in wholesale. Yes. Um, uh, and the. The things that are meant, so if we can't be 
if being in a um so this is a distinctly japanese film the 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 populace is in they're concentrated in cities by and large there's there's still towns and villages and things too but the 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 large portion of the population is jammed together tightly into cities so that is a forced interaction that over time can be a negative thing Right, because you've just piled a lot of people into one little place. Um, but everyone's busy about their own lives. Um, they go to work, they go home, they go to sleep, they go to work, they go home, they go to sleep. That's that's the drudge. Mm. Um, there's you know, that's not that may not be the exact same for everybody, but by and large, that's the way the wheel goes. So apart together. Yeah. So everyone is together, but they're just doing their own thing just to get through each day. And, um, to, to look for that connection. Uh, it's, it's, it, I think it's become harder and harder to do that in like the, a physical sense, but, mm. um, our, our technology, our phones, our computers, the internet, um, that's again a a a solid line through the film is that these connections can you can find them another way uh and that can connect you to people um but that connection isn't always a positive one and in this particular case um the internet in of itself uh is a pervasive thing um, in the film it's just kind of because this is 2001, which means the film was done a little bit earlier. Um, it's still a, it's still a widely used thing. It's all over the place, but it's, it's in its, um, it's infancy still. Yes. Like it's um, just it, becoming to be a thing. Right. It, 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 it is neither as ubiquitous or necessary as it is now. I, there are are many many sequences of characters literally wiping off a desk that's covered in refuse and then plugging uh, uh like connecting their computer to the internet uh which has clearly not been used in months even possibly even years um which was like very nostalgic and also hilarious to me because that is just not the way that it works now so um like once again seeing seeing that infancy uh of the technology is 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 fun although it can get a little it can feel a little draggy um for anybody who lives in 2020 because um once again uh the use of that technology has become so necessary and ubiquitous to uh, to humanity as at large yeah, and then here is it's framed. Um, it's a it's a double edged sword. So yep, uh, it's used to well, there is no positive use of it actually. Yeah, um, actually, now that it's you, all it's that. all inherently negative. Um, it's used to find information. That's fine. Mm. The information that's being found is is human connections. That's fine. The connections you're finding 
are that even though you're connected to other people, they aren't any less alone and you aren't any less actually alone because you're, uh, you're not physically there. Um, people are suffering um, alone. You cannot help them. Uh, some of it feels like a one-way street. Um, you're, you're, you're receiving. So it's, I guess it's another critique. You're on the receiving end of a barrage of negativity. Mm -hmm. Um, any kind of news you look at, these things are sensationalist. The good stuff doesn't make the front page. Right. You know, that, that this is that idea without like, it's not outright saying that, but, um, what it's showing you is that you, um, our, I guess our, our, <laughs> the protagonist situation is a little weird and we won't really dive into it. Um, it bounces around between multiple characters and nobody can be the main character because they're all, um, they're all stand-ins for like us. They're right. all alone. Um, and they're all, f we're all fated to die and fated to be alone. So, that's the fate of all the characters and the fate of anyone watching the film. It's just what it's dabbling in. Um, but they, uh, they're looking for answers. They're looking for connections. They find them and they're negative things every time. Uh, and our, our, I guess our secondary main character who pops in, um, partway through the film uh, is an economics student and he yeah. he's excited. He's getting his internet connection set up and he's going to do some, who knows what he's just, the potentials are endless. Um, but he doesn't get to do that. He's um, by, by forming the connection, by connecting to everyone else, uh, he's deluged immediately with like the horror of like what that means. Um, in as much as he's just getting bad, uh, connection. So he's the very first thing he turns on the internet and it's, um, uh, this, the, do you want to see a ghost? You know, it's, yeah. it's a person that's potentially already dead or they're going to kill themselves because that that's way too late content warning. There's a lot of suicide going on in this movie. So that's his first, it's his first taste of this is like uh, bad news. And it's also, it, 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 it's, it's also worth you, you already mentioned it, but it is also really worth hammering home. Uh, that that it is it, he did not go looking for this this once as you said by just forming the connection this is is what he was presented with yes and it's um it's something that he can't uh you can you can sever the he, he he literally has to sever the connection to to try to exist mm. um but it's already been formed um and by virtue of people interacting and having connections it's a detriment so the the 
the technology itself, these, um, these ghosts are using, uh, that as a medium of transmission. Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's for, it's, um, they hammer that home a lot more in the, uh, the American adaptation. It's, they're literally like you, they, they are forms of data or whatever they, they use electricity in the, in the, the connectivity as transmission. Right. Um, this, it's kind of talked about a little bit that they can, um, they can use like electricity or wiring to kind of get around. Um, but they can be, um, they can be confined. If, mm -hmm. if the power is turned off, they are stuck. They're still here, but they're, they, they can't, um, move from specific areas and you can, you have a measure of, um, uh, safety. Yes, you and can you can create a budget containment unit. You, you can, and this <laughs> is using red tape, um, duct tape doesn't really matter, but they use specific uh, construction, this red construction duct tape, um, to seal off uh, areas that are that are confining a ghost. Um, but doing that is like the other critique of uh, you can stave off problems and these particular problems um, by like walling it up or in inversely mm. you're 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 sealing yourself off right to survive but ultimately that that's not a solution that's like a non solution because you've you've just doomed yourself to the same thing that's already going to happen uh, but you did it on purpose yeah exactly um and it also loops back around to the simulation which is yes of course for your for your own for the for your own good separating yourself from others walling yourself off is necessary but eventually you will be uh drawn to other people again because that is the uh, the the irony of the human existence yeah and they 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 talk about that in that brief segment but then they illustrate it because people keep going and undoing the tape right exactly like let's go look at this weird door i'm gonna take the tape off and go inside oh look a ghost and mm. then you're screwed yeah right um, yes, except for when the tape undoes itself, which I thought was weird. Well, the, the like, ghosts did have some agency in what they were doing. Um, that's true. It, and then I think it depended on the, maybe how long the ghost had been dead. Because right. all the ones we see are relatively, they look like they're recent ghosts. Right. So that, I mean, that begs the question. So if, I mean, that makes sense because if you're cramming everything into the ghost, like if you die and you get shunted into the ghost dimension or whatever it is, um, the most recent ones are going to be the closest ones to the opening. Right. And yeah. spill, spill back out first. You're just overflowing mm. backwards. Um, 
and these are already like they're not um some of them are inherently hostile like they, yes in, in their search for um something to save them from this like existence uh they become instead like antagonistic because they're they're unhappy and maybe they're just like have to spread that on purpose like i can't or, have you be happy too yes or once or again it, not. if if they're always alone then then that that's that can is is a, a clear vector for for uh endless misery and then when after four and who knows how long um being confronted with 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 something other than that can just cause instant hostility for it and maybe it's not even hostility i think we like dug into it dug into a little bit too far um because ghosts are still people and they 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 want help they want that connection they're just being drawn back to other people yes happen to be not oh. ghosts Right, the like the simulation. Oh, they yes. even address that in the simulation because there are in fact fact ghost particles that appear during the simulation. Yeah. So they're just they're just being intro- reintroduced back into this side of reality because it's still just two sides of the same thing. Right. The 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 thing separating them is broken. So, um. Ultimately, that's everyone's fate. Is now you're 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 drawn to other people, but you're also drawn to ghosts, or vice versa, and that's what the the end of the film um, talks about, or, or just it's outright states. Um, we have our our final survivor, who actually wasn't like really in any of the rest of the movie. No, um, <laughs> and she gets onto a barge. Uh, and they're headed, uh, they're headed for South America. I don't remember where they're headed for now. Um, they're, they're basically just headed, uh, out of Japan, uh, because they found a signal, like a weak one, um, of other people that are still existing. Cause everything else just is gone. Radio, everything's just shut off. And then they, I think they start to realize that you can't really like use those things anymore. Um, but by virtue of them heading toward other people, it's just like underscoring the whole point of all this anyway. Yes. Like no matter what you do, you're, you're still drawn toward that society or that idea um, of, of other humans. And that's just the danger inherent in doing so. Because the more people around, the more ghosts there would have been. Yep. So your best your best bet is to find the place where that's no people have died. There's no yeah, yeah. there's no technology, and then um, have fun because what's the point? You're going to die and become a ghost anyway. Well, no digital technology. I'm oh, sure yeah. analog <laughs> technology will be fine. Oh, oh be man, okay. that'd be that'd be the worst though. Oh man, I made this real sick wheel. Oh, there's a ghost. Yep, you've you've created a connection. 
Oh man, I, it'd be great though if the type of ghost that appeared was based on the level of technology used. So you, you like carve a stone wheel and a caveman ghost appears. There you go. You made the wrong strand. <laughs> yeah, that's Pulse. It's a it's the feel good ghost movie of two thousand and one. <laughs> which was clearly shot way before 2001. Yeah, but I think that that, that did it um that did it a service. Yes. Like it, it puts the film um in a very specific time, but it still makes it somewhat nebulous. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not all like clean. No. And uh neither is I mean neither is the film. Like the film is 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 looks like an older is clearly an older movie and it's once again it'll never stop it'll never stop being um bizarre to me uh that uh the fidelity of media has changed so drastically within my lifetime uh that uh i'm looking at this and i was like yeah i was like 19 no wait yeah, 19 when this movie came out. And I'm just like, eh, wow, things look better. But there's a charm to to like the crunchiness of this of, of this film. And especially when when we're looking at uh, at at computers and and webcams, like old bad webcams, like there's something about the compression that makes it more unsettling and more unpleasant to look look at as opposed to um now where people have to try so hard to recreate that effect because the cameras are just too good um yeah there's something to be said about your your um this is the same thing that you're dealing with when you're when you've uh dropped the the bitrate or the pixel count or anything like that yes your your mind is it, it's forced to supply the detail. Yes, uh, and oftentimes that that can make it um, better uh, in doing that because you're having to you're having to work a little bit for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're also free to make it like more fantastical than like what what is being shown to you. Exactly. Yeah, and um, um, I think another point to to the viewing something like this, uh, and then there's a weird disconnect where a lot of things, and we and we found this out is just if you look at media, um, depending on the transfer from the 70s, 60s, or earlier, it's much cleaner and crisper, right. Like it, it didn't get the weird um, Vaseline treatment that like everything that got spun through the eighties just happened, and then the nineties weren't a whole lot better. Um, there's a, there's of course examples where other film just looks they look fine, but it's just what they're shot on, right? The, yes, the the film stock used. Um, I did want to just quickly go back to um, like the how good um, not not showing is uh and it involves our economic student uh whose uh computer comes on again and and shows some some very scary things 
going on somewhere else via webcam, and there is this very, very, very effective uh, cut where the person on the webcam whose face is obscured is slowly revealing their face, and there is just a uh, there is a just simple cut of 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 our economic student um reacting to it and it's especially effective because when the cut happens uh when the cut happens in in the sequence the person on the webcam is just about to reveal their face and when the cut happens it is clear that the economic student has seen what was under what was being obscured, uh, but the audience does not, and it is made even more effective by his his performance of of horror uh, in that scene afterwards. It 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 makes whatever was under uh, being obscured uh, significantly more scary uh, and frightening in the mind of the viewer. And uh, I just wanted to highlight that because I thought that that was a really really excellent use of editing. Yeah. And the film does that like repeatedly. Um, it, it's, it's a good, um, point of the cinematography that's that, that this film's dealing with. And another just idea, um, that it's doing and it, it shows us very clearly is that, that we say webcam, there were no webcams. <laughs> it's just like CRT monitors, and the the images of the people are like ghost vision right right so it's it's all voyeuristic view of ghost um being with whoever's in that kind of distress and wanting help um and and that we we do we get that very wonderful sequence of the um our other limited time uh, main protagonist um as she's looking at a monitor and then the monitor showing the the back view of her head yes because it's from like another it looks like a closet but it's another room and then she turns and goes and goes to check who's looking at her and there's no one there but it's still showing her face like it's a that's a very well done um segment too because it's is it just hits that uncanny um idea of if someone's watching they there has to be someone there right so that that's that other part of connection of that's doing harm oh right yes the observation aspect yeah. of connection yeah, it's a, this fun, pleasant film that makes you feel good inside, which is why we picked it for the Legati of Week. Yes. And the other part is that everyone, um, when so when they die, or when they give up, or yes, anything, because they, they become shadows of their former self. <laughs> um, <laughs> they just become like a stain of carbon. On the wall, yes. Uh, it's it, 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 it's 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 a silhouette of 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 unending sadness that still whispers to you if you get too close to it. Yeah, don't care care for that, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, don't care for that aspect of 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 the ghost griff. 
I'm like, oh god, the Black Bolt's talking to us again because because of the troubles. I'm just like, mm. yeah, it's Maybe um, it's a, it's very, it's effective. It's a very yes, good visual cue. Um, and you get some audio with the two because if you get too close, it just asks you to help it. Yes. Um, but then you and run the risk is, of it touching you, and then you're infected. Good job, right? Um, and 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 it is worth it is worth note uh, bringing up that that killing people, unlike the American version where the ghosts are just you know actually actively killing people. Um, the the ghosts don't want uh the the idea is brought up by a side character that the ghosts of course considering that um the ghost dimension is is at max capacity don't want to kill people they want to trap them uh in an internal life of their eternal loneliness which given the state that the ghosts exist in is basically the equivalency of killing a person it's it's kind of interesting but it's 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 a different name for ultimately the same fate yeah they're um in their struggle to be not alone the the short chances they have to interact with other things ends up making them more alone right because any ghost they create can't interact with them like the ghosts don't apparently see each other right exactly so you're just, they see people, they get to interact with them for a limited time, uh, and then they just vanish them. Yes. So that's even, more like, like it's another layer of, like, horrifying. Exactly. It, 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 it is, it, it makes the, per, uh, it makes the problem worse. And also, once again, highlights the, 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 um, the program, which is no matter what, the the dots will be drawn to one another. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps us up for this particular episode. Um, this is the connection that we've made with you. Yes, isn't it a pleasant one? Um, and it was also collect. It's also collect. So this will be like two hundred and fifty three dollars. Um, yes. Dave, where can listeners send us their $253 for this episode? Well, you can either send it to our DMs, which we can accept the money that way because it's all digital now. It's all electronic these days. Yep. Um, you can reach us on uh, mon underscore D monster or at monster, dear monster at gmail.com. Uh, all of those can also be found. Uh, through our website at monsterdeer.monster and Leonard where can folks find yourself should they wish to connect uh yes people can find me on twitter uh, Dr. Faust is dead um it's a twitter account like that if you if if you like if you like my personality and the personality that I present to the world via this podcast, uh, then feel free to follow me. Uh, and if you're interested in what I think about other forms of media, mainly video games, you can also follow me 
are subscribed to me on YouTube uh, by searching Dr. Faust is Dead. I make uh, video essays talking about uh, video game narratives. I am currently uh, halfway through uh, editing my newest video on the uh, game Grease. Uh, that should hopefully be out near the beginning of next month. Um, and Dave, where can our wayward uh, uh, co-host be found online? Cameron can be found online on Twitter as well at night underscore twitten, and that's night without a K. And as for my illustrious self, I can also be found on Twitter at sentinot underscore plus. As always, the links to those things will be in the show notes, just in case, because sometimes they're tough to spell. Uh, and yep. that list I mentioned, um, I will link as well, um, just because there's a bunch of films on there that people may find interesting. And I think that that wraps us up for today. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, we'll have a, another guest-centric uh, episode where we will be discussing the film Legend, which is near and dear to everyone's heart. And we'll find if that one lets us down, too. But I have a feeling it won't. Uh, <laughs> let's us down. Prime the pump, Dave. That's my job. Anyway, folks, we will catch you next time. And for now, that is us saying bye-bye. Bye. As Leonard drifts off into the void.